Blog Talk Radio. Good morning and thank you for joining us today for Live Dharma Sunday. Please note that if you have called in to listen to today's broadcast, that all lines have been placed on mute to avoid background interference. If you're listening from any of our Bright Dawn sites, note that it is not necessary to call in. You may have to wait a second or two for the loading and buffering process to complete, but if there is still no audio, please refresh your page. For more information about Bright Dawn and its activities and links to our social media sites, please visit brightdawn.org. Once again, thank you for listening to Live Dharma Sunday and enjoy the talk. Welcome, everyone, to Live Dharma Sunday for August 19, 2018. Koyo Kobose here. So very, very glad you joined us. Well, the summer's flying by. <clears throat> oh, boy. Uh, I was, I went online as usual in the morning when I'm, you know, part of the morning routine is turn on your computer and check emails, but uh, there's different sites where you find out different information, and uh, this morning, well, I I wasn't quite sure what to talk about in my introductory remarks, but uh, you get all kinds of associations, I guess, and today's, this morning's association was, there was, I don't know what you call it, the commemoration or uh, of uh, the man who has saved more lives than any other person. And his name is Henry, Dr. Henry uh, Heimlich. And of course, everybody knows him because he pioneered the you know, Heimlich maneuver. And uh, one of his students was talking about this and how it came about. And, and he, uh, this was still when he was still alive and, and he, introduced him and he came out and he demonstrated, you know, uh, so forth and you get behind the person and then you do the, you know, you feel where the bottom rib is and then you do that quick movement. And he said, even if somebody's lying down on their back, you can put the same, put position your hands and make that same maneuver when they're lying down. Because sometimes they may be unconscious, huh? Um, and he gave a little history of how the establishment, Red Cross, uh, all these medical organizations, they said, "No, no, you backslap, you do, you do a, a backslap. That's what you first do, and that's actually worse. It makes condition worse if something's clogged in your esophagus, you know." Uh, he he even said uh, lifeguards 
were taught. Uh, you put, you throw somebody over your shoulder that you know was drowned, had drowned, sort of, and and you run up and down the beach. Okay. Uh, and then he said, uh, uh, in wartime, on the battlefield, if there's a chest wound, so many people died because of the lack of, uh, you know, lack of medical care there, no hospitals and whatnot. And he invented a, a chest valve, Heimlich's chest valve. And as I said in the show, this is based upon, and this is the speaker said this, he said this based upon the fart whistle. It's a, like a razor, you know, it's, you got a little, you blow into this thing and it's got a flat rubber tube. And it'll <laughs> like that, makes that noise. I guess we all know that. But then the rubber tubing collapses, huh? and so you could blow through it, and then it collapses. And so he had that was sort of like that. And when people got uh, uh, their chest mended on the battlefield, that in there, and when the person took a breath, you know, expand the lungs, and uh, so for soldiers, that's why he is. His his work has saved more lives than any other person on this earth. <laughs> wow. But I was thinking, why is it that uh, new things, whether it's medical advances, are, are so not accepted by the establishment at first, you know? Uh, even for ulcers, I read the interesting story where, you know, they thought ulcers was from stress. They told you to drink milk. And it turns out that that's wrong, and that's, you don't want to drink milk. It's caused by a, uh, well, a virus or some bacteria or something like that. That's the cause of the ulcers, not stress, not what you eat, but it's whether you have this, I forgot the name of it, but this particular you know, uh, virus in your stomach. And in fact, no, everyone said, no, no, no. And so the person who discovered this said, well, I'll show you. And he, and he took some of this plowery or whatever the uh, germ was. And sure enough, you get ulcers. And then you take something that fights that, boom, you get you don't have that bacteria in there, no ulcer. Okay. Doesn't matter what you eat, doesn't matter about stress. So I'm sure that there are all kind of things like this that the medical advances was very rough huh? establishment. Uh, there's a big inertia, if you want to call it that way, where it's very conservative if it goes against the current knowledge. And I think, well, they sometimes we talk about, uh, you know, hard science, physics, chemistry, and then you have life sciences like biology and botany. And then you have the psychological or social sciences. Say social science. They have that word science in there, but it's social psychological things. Maybe their laws aren't. Uh, exactly 
as hard and fast as the hard sciences, but uh, there are a lot of advances that take place in social science, health science, and uh, you you run up against the same kind of uh, conservative establishment uh, attitude toward new things. And uh, Roger Kuhn, let's say, was it Roger? I can't remember. <laughs> uh, Kuhn, K-U-H-N, wrote a very influential book called The Nature and Structure of Scientific Revolution. And he's talking about hard science, so uh, where, and, and he says, he talks about, introduced the word paradigm. Now, paradigm is a, you know, was a buzzword in the 70s or 80s and and in the scientific community. So this is a very influential book. And he said that uh, paradigm means sort of your, your attitude of meta assumptions, they sometimes call it. It's the way you look at things. Okay. No matter what the field is. And when somebody has a different paradigm, okay. Uh, <laughs> a new way of looking at things. Okay? And a lot of uh, revolutionary things happened because of that. And Kuhn tells the story of physics, the history of physics. And a long time ago, they thought that there was some kind of substance that was the essence of, uh, of, physical, of our physical world. You know, they didn't know about molecules and atoms and electrons and things like this. Their paradigm was, uh, wow, Kuhn talks about there was a uh, substance that was called phlogiston, and this is what made up physical matter. And the kind of theory that was evolved around that phlogiston handled a lot of the data, a lot of the observations. It explains it. But then when the new physical physicist said, Oh, what about, you know, hey, look, and look at this. You can look at it. This is a better way to look at it. Okay. Not that something's truer or more true. Okay. It's more useful to look at it like this. Okay. Newtonian physics. If, we, if, we, if, you assume, if you adopt this paradigm, it covers more of the physical phenomena in the world. This is how advances take place. So what this means is, if you want to relate it to spiritual growth, personal growth, you know, just because it's not something that everyone else is doing or looking at things, okay, don't be afraid of your way of looking at things might be what's called a different paradigm, a paradigm shift. This is in, in history you could show, as Kuhn does, the nature of, you know, nature and structure of revolutionary thought. Okay. So he says, uh, you know, if you, uh, for some reason, you see a different way of looking at things, okay, even in the hard sciences, all the way down the line about knowledge, human knowledge, okay, uh, this, this idea of paradigm shifts. And if you have a different paradigm shift, then the older generation 
you really can't, it's not an empirical problem. That means there's no experiment or research that will show that which paradigm is better because they cannot compare two paradigms. They're completely different ways of looking at things. Okay. And well, then how does the paradigm shift occur? <laughs> he says, well, the old scientists die. <laughs> and the young bucks with the new, you know, they could not communicate and talk to each other because it's not, it's just such a different way of looking at things. So here's the, here's the thing about paradigm shifts is that if your own life that's for self-growth might be, uh, there's a different, some experiences, you have to be open, in other words, yeah, to the pluralism, to the new ways, the creativeness of how you look at yourself, okay, self. Yeah. And uh, sometimes you cannot talk to somebody who has other kinds of views about spiritual growth, about, you know, mental health or any kind of thing like this. Okay? If you find it to be useful, don't get caught in the trap of, well, is it true or not? Which one's a true way? Okay? No. It's uh, which one's more useful. Okay? And then when it comes to your own life, you better stick to your own paradigm if, you know, not just because it's an establishment thing and against it, so, oh, 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 I don't want to be silly, or oh, I get laughed at. Okay. Uh, hey, paradigm shift. <laughs> Today's guest to give us a Dharma glimpse is Roger Sayo. He's currently living in Georgia. He's a southern boy. He is part of our LM5 group, lay minister 5 group. And he, he and his wife went through the program at the same time. His wife was Dorothy Merrick, and uh, of the Merrick family, who uh, had a lot of uh, ties to the Kubosa family, were John Merrick, John, John and Carol Merrick, uh, Dorothy's parents. Uh, Dr. Merrick had a, a veterinarian clinic in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and they heard Reverend Guillaume speak at a local Unitarian church, and you know, they, they, you know, I said, hey, this, so he had, what, the Merricks must have had about five, six children. And uh, they became close to the Kubosa family. My father did a lot of weddings and things, you know, religious services for them. And uh, they came into Chicago a couple hours drive, you know, regularly. Um, and uh, uh, so, Roger married into that family, and that's how I got to know him. And that's how he said, "Oh, and, you know, says, well, we'll find out about the lay program." Says, "Hey, yeah." And in fact, I found out later that he has a uh, in his first marriage, they had a daughter, and they named they named her Adrian, <laughs> same spelling as my better half. Okay, let's hear from Roger Sayo. This is Sayo. This is my Dharma glimpse on August the 19th, 2018. I call it my left ear, or ears to you. Ignoring things doesn't make them better. That seems like a pretty obvious Dharma glimpse, doesn't it? Yet, 
we do ignore things in hopes they will go away or just not interfere with our life at this present moment. My Zen teacher has cautioned that it is the little thing that you don't pay attention to that can cause problems. But what would be such a little thing, and what would be the problems that it could cause? What really happens when we don't pay attention? In my case, it was a small thing, one little thing really, just a minor annoyance that only arose rarely. I might just feel the top of my left ear while drying my hair after a shower and feel just a little bump, kind of like a white head on my skin as an adolescent. The sort of thing that if left alone would go away by itself. Then a year or so ago I began to notice it more often, but it was still nothing to comment on. I just observed that I rubbed the top of my left ear more often to feel that little bump. Then, a few weeks ago, I felt a tickle on my left cheek. When I touched this tickle, I felt a warm, sticky sensation, and when I looked at my finger, it was covered in blood. This isn't all that normal. And when I looked in the mirror, I could see there was a path of blood down my left jaw below the ear. Next morning, I had a dermatologist examine my ear. Ten days later, I got a call. It was a skin cancer. Ten days after that, I saw a surgeon who could remove this cancer. Here's what's involved. The surgeon cuts out an area around the site of the cancerous tissue and examines it to see if the margins contain any cancer cells. If they do, then they expand the area of tissue that they take out to see if there are any cancer cells in the new margin. In my case, the surgeon had to make three attempts. First time, he took an area about the size of a dime from my ear. In the second attempt, he took another area the size of a dime from my ear. The third time, he took another area the size of a dime from my ear. I lost 30 cents worth of ear. But, said the doctor, don't worry, even though one ear will be a little smaller than the other one, it will still look like an ear. I didn't know how small a smaller ear is, but what am I going to do anyway? Ask to put the old parts back in? It's been a couple of weeks now. My ear still hurts, but Tylenol helps. But putting my hearing aids in my ears is more difficult now that I don't have the usual amount of ear for the left hearing aid to rest against. And if you look at my ear, you see that the margin looks like a construction paper project for third grade. Not everything fits together in a smooth curve. So now I've experienced the results of the one little thing you don't pay attention to, which my Zen teacher has cautioned about in general terms. It's the one little thing that you don't pay attention to that creates problems in the future. That's my Dharma glimpse. Not just pay attention, pay attention, pay attention, but act on it. Thank you. Thank you very much for sharing that. Uh, yeah, Roger's active in the Atlanta Dozen Center. His teacher there. Allison Roshi, uh, when I visited uh, uh, the Merricks in Georgia, uh, we went over to the Atlanta Soto Zen Center and so forth. Um, 
But isn't it interesting that in Buddhism, you know, they don't talk about sin. Huh? Their word is ignorance. Uh, <clears throat> is the closest equivalent term to to Judeo-Christian sin concept. Okay? Is ignorance. Uh, and if you look at the root of that word, it's not that you don't know. It's ignore. Ignorance. <laughs> ignorance. Okay. You're ignoring what's going on. Okay. You should know better. You should pay attention okay. to things that are going on. Focusing, uh, you know, whatever the opposite of those terms are. But life is happening, and I can I can relate to what Roger Sale is talking about because uh, some people are much more aware of uh, you know focusing on things that are going on, okay, or especially physically on about yourself or right around you, okay, uh, or at work or in the home. Um, that. Uh, <clears throat> To assess it, to pay attention to it, and like as he says, you act on it. Uh, that's a good kind of a well, in a sense. In my, if I tried to relate it to paradigms, I would say, "Wow, you know, you better pay attention because maybe new paradigm shifts, opportunities for that, are always around us if we're open uh, in terms of our attitude." Say, hey. And that kind of observation is the bedrock of science. It involves some kind of observation and evaluation of things. Okay. Uh, and if you're so locked into a particular paradigm, a way of relating to the world and so forth, that you don't pay attention and you ignore what's going on and changes and things like this, say, hey, you know, be a little bit more mindful, present, centered of what's going on instead of letting your particular attitude okay, dictate how you look at things. When a message is coming forward that says, hey, hey, what about this? What about this? <laughs> what about this? Uh, <clears throat> so we have to have the right attitude about paradigms, paradigm shifts, and paying attention, focusing uh, for our betterment. Okay. We're not don't we shouldn't overgeneralize, okay? Uh such processes and the dynamics of psychological focus, attention and so forth. But indeed uh, we need to it's sort of like uh maybe like um uh, <clears throat> being a good receiver. You know, the, the signals might be not as strong or as, as we ex, as we might expect, okay. Uh, but change our own receptors, our own re reception. Sort of like if you consider a certain, well, if sound waves or radio waves or uh, they're always there, all around us in the air. You can't see them, but. You don't know because you, you don't have the proper receiver. 
to 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 pick up these frequencies that are being sent out. Yeah. Uh, so it behooves us to always be developing ourselves as a receiver. Uh, and you know if you uh, say like well some, I, re, I do remember when I was te- teaching uh, you know Sunday school children give them a little do- Dharma talk for children and one time I brought a transistor radio in I said hey okay. and if you turn it on it can you can hear music or somebody talking about something because you have the proper receiver to receive these radio waves that are right here. Okay. This is a particular kind of attention, uh-huh. you know, and uh, or you ever see the movie Contact with Jodie Foster? She was involved in, uh, they had these big uh, radio wave receivers. They're trying to receive radio f- frequency waves from outer space. Okay. And if you got a big old sp- receiver like that, you know, you, you might detect all kind of things coming from light years away. Huh? Uh, and that kind of a process situation or whatever you want to call it, uh, is the, the process is the same as Kuhn says. But, you know, being open and listening to what's going on okay, and not being afraid to look at things in a new way if it's more useful for oneself. That's all for today's broadcast. Till next time, keep going and you have a beautiful day. <laughs>